the VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 654, recorded on June 21st, 654th edition of the TV Gaming Podcast and 487th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Right. So, one thing, uh, Scott, raise your volume. I could barely hear you there. Louder. Hold on. There, that's better. There we go. Okay. Okay. So, um, I started playing Grounded again. And now I've been getting achievements for it. That's good. Did they fix that? Uh, no, they just didn't institute achievements until now. Uh, since the uh, final version is coming, I guess they decided to unlock achievements. And um, I'm exploring all new areas, uh, TJ, and some really strange stuff. So, but at least it's it's giving me a certain way, a certain direction. Um, it's more of an adventure game now. Uh, before it was, you know, more of a sandbox. It's still a sandbox, but now it actually has a direction. So uh, I'm, I plan on seeing where it takes me. I've gotten stuck because there's a door that requires a key, and I have no idea how to get the key. So we'll see. Um, what have you been playing, TJ? Uh, oh, wait, before you go, I did play a little bit of Shredder's Revenge. I was going to say, I've been playing the holy heck out of Shredder's Revenge. I love that game. Okay. I uh I think that game might be up there for one of my games of the year after uh after my time with it. It is the perfect package of challenging good var- good variety of fighters. I like that in I like that for once the turtles actually feel different from each other. That was always one of my least favorite things about the original Turtles arcade games is that they all felt samey. And uh, they uh, they really do set them apart this time. Their moves are very different. Their uh, styles are very different. Um, the soundtrack well, of the game is. Freaking are their moves excellent. different? I mean, the the way their moves may animate, but um, yes, I, their moves actually do different things and uh, and have different capabilities. I, I'm having trouble memorizing a lot of the moves. So, but on the other hand, yeah. you know, it's it's fine. If you just want to XXX through everything, uh, you just have to be careful. Yeah, functionally, everybody works the same. But, like, the way in which their attacks come out and the way in which uh, they have... Like, like Michelangelo and April O'Neil have uh, have multi-hitting uh, rising attacks, like uppercut attacks, whereas a bunch of the other characters have, like, one-hit hit, uh, uppercut attacks. And so, like, there's little things like that that make that set them apart from one another. I really enjoy what they what they've crafted for the for their fighting styles because it actually gives them personality for once. Oh, I also uh, speaking of memorizing moves, I also played a little bit of Card Shark too. Nice. But yeah, I uh, I have had nothing but fun with uh ter- with uh, Shredder's Revenge. I actually got together with a few friends and uh, my spouse, and we actually had a five-person game, like online and local, the okay. other night. 
which is just one of the coolest things about it is that the last time we had like a six, I can't even really remember the last time a game let you do uh, six players in an arcade setting. It's been a while. Um, I was going to say Mario, Mario party, but who knows? It's a real good game and everyone should play it. If they, if you like turtles, if you like beat them up, if you like arcade, it's just freaking awesome. So how does it compare to Streets of Rage 4? Uh, it's a good refinement of what Streets of Rage 4 already had going on. I think it's uh, a solid uh, a solid spit. Like Tribute Games and Dotemu, you know what they're doing, and uh, they take what they've they take what works and refine it just a little bit further each time. I really like that you have a super meter in this game that you have to build up by getting hits, and if you take a hit, you like without filling the super meter out. You lose that stock. Uh, so it really challenges you to be a little bit more careful with like getting hit by anything if you want to build up your super for the boss. It also has that, um, how did I not play this in the arcades feel like 20 mm-hmm. years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. How about you, Scott? What have you been playing? I've been uh, still playing Final Fantasy XII. I'm working my way through that one. Uh, it's a lot of grinding going on because uh, it's just easy to accumulate uh, license points for the different abilities on the license boards and trying different combinations of that. Um, it's interesting because this game, you do a lot of programming with uh, gambits. So it's almost like your all your characters have AI and you're programming the AI, AI how to battle the enemies and the bosses. And you can still put input commands, but it's interesting to try to get them to be programmed to fight. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to game news. Um, some quick news. Um, one, most of Elden Ring's Latin songs are just gibberish. Uh, only the first song had actual Latin, and the rest are just sound like they're Latin, but they're not. I don't know if I care. <laughs> like, uh, on one hand, like, what a what a uh, convincing uh, what a convincing facade. Well, here's the thing. There's a lot of people who have been trying to interpret the songs with gibberish in them. So a Latin student said, you know, uh, I checked these songs and uh, only one of them, the first one, actually has Latin in it. The rest are just. And um, you ever see the movie uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm? Mm -hmm. There was a rumor and I think it was confirmed that the quote unquote Latin that were in the opening songs were just the creator names uh, being chanted backwards. Hmm. Seems like a real shame they couldn't bother to construct a Latin song or just, I don't know. Hey, if it sounds good, who cares? There's a lot of songs that have gibberish in them. Yeah. Like, like I, I saw the witch talk, you know, ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ing, dang, ta la wing, wang. Yeah, that's who cares? Fine, you know that's gibberish. Yeah. But, um, but <laughs> you really enjoy the music, though, don't you, TJ? Uh, of Elden Ring? Yes, of course. I, uh. I really, I really enjoy uh, a lot of the boss, a lot of the boss music, and then I really enjoy like some of the uh, the ambient music that kind of plays in between, depending on what you're doing. Uh, more quick news: the Quarry reportedly started life as a signature Stadia title before Google downsized its gaming operation, as well as well as the sci-fi comedy High on Life. Man, did Google fuck up Stadia something fierce, huh? Hmm. Yeah, they they wanted to put it on the uh, the Peloton, those uh, I guess uh, track machines, and 
it doesn't really appeal to I think a lot of gamers that just want to sit at their computer or couch or whatever and play a game. Well, here's the thing. I've been, you know, I have not downloaded Shredder's Revenge at all. I played it on my Android using Game Pass streaming. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, it played just fine, you know. And you know, it was somehow appropriate that I was playing that game on an, on an Android cell phone. I felt like I was playing it on, say, a, a, a 3DS or something like, or or any other handheld console. <laughs> and it felt right on on playing it handheld, you know. Um, but have you been? Have you checked out the Cory at all? I know you liked uh, Supermassive's first uh, serial killer game. Uh, until dawn. I've heard a lot of good things about uh, the Quarry. I've heard it gets closer to Until Dawn than any of the other ones have gotten. Um, and I mean, like, I'm just feel like I've just heard that the quality of the game is just feels like it's on that level where the uh, the Dark Pictures anthology games kind of fell short in a few ways. Yeah, well, in the, in, in the Quarry, it's just basically who. Who can you keep alive? It's sort of like it's sort of like a series of ten boss battles, you know. Also, it seems to me, and I may be wrong because I haven't played through the whole thing, that Quarry doesn't throw you for a loop with some bullshit gimmick, and uh, <laughs> people actually are being like straight up murdered and by an actual threat. Um, I don't know. It 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 harkens back to us like. I love the fact that Supermassive Games decided to go with the, even if it's considered stereotypical, the uh, the camp full of teenagers. But that's the that's the entire point is to do Crystal Lake, you know. Mm-hmm. And dang, if they didn't get a good cast for it too. Like I really like some of the people that he brought in for this one. I have to say, I did like the story of Man and Medan, um, even though the, the the protagonists a weren't likable and b really didn't have any agency in what was going on around them. But I did like the story, even though the 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 the, the twist that it was all green green mist that was giving him you know that was maybe go psych uh, psych uh, psych uh, you know hallucinogenic stuff that yeah, that that was obvious and the host made it seem like it was it was a, a mystery that I could never no I knew exactly what it was from the very, almost very beginning but the thing is that I did like where it was going and how it did and the other ones just fell flat because they kept on pulling the same card over and over and over again. At least the quarry is just essentially, yeah. There's a serial killer. He's murdering everybody in this in this thing in Camp Crystal Lake, and the entire point of the game is if you if you help them survive or not. Hmm. Was this the same one where um, there was some ancient Babylonian temple that got buried, and there was no. like a monster that had gotten trapped in there, or is no. it a different game? This is just a. Uh, this is just a, a serial killer game, like Jason Voorhees, you know, just they're being offed one by one. Um, let's see. Uh, the other one was uh, was Salem, and it was everybody in a car. Uh, it was just basically Silent Hill. And another one was them trapped inside a cavern. Um, mm-hmm. So those are the games that were in the uh, Dark tr- uh, not the Dark Trilogy. That's <laughs> that's trapped um, in the cavern is the one I'm probably thinking of then. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't think I'll play the quarry, but um, they really did nail, really nail the um, the character animations and the facial animations and the way it looks. You know, they really do look human. I don't, I don't detect any uh, uncanny value with the characters. 
Hmm. Yeah, so. they've done a they've done a really good job. Like Supermassive has done a really good job of capturing their their characters and and giving and making them feel real. Anyways, uh, we're gonna move on to the main game news, and uh, this one's gonna make uh, make uh, TJ's sarcasm meter go off the roof. Activision uh, Blizzard shareholders vote in favor of harassment report despise, despite board's objections. And this comes to us from PC Gamer. In May, uh, Activision Blizzard's board of directors urged shareholders to vote against a proposed report on the company's efforts to combat abuse, harassment, and discrimination in the workplace. The board argued that having to prepare, quote-unquote, yet another report would divert resources that could be more effectively used elsewhere. And furthermore, quote-unquote, would, uh, would create a set of metrics that are not – Simply not the best measures of how the company is responding to employee concerns, unquote. What you're saying is that it would show that they're not doing anything. It's not mm. the best me- – uh, whatever. At the, today's annual meeting, however, the shareholders rejected that argument and voted decisively in creation of the report. Roughly 67% of the voting shares cast their ballot in favor of the report. Activision said, uh, Activision said in a statement, but that doesn't necessarily mean the report will happen. The vote is non-binding, meaning that it's more than an advisory thing than an obligation. The board of directors, of course, said they will think about it. Uh, the nomination of an employee representative to the Activision Blizzard board of directors is another proposal that the board had urged shareholders to vote against because allowing employees to select their own rep would, quote, unquote, replace the careful judgment of the board. Um, they're acting like they do have judgment. As to the criteria that should be reflected as in the director candidate pool, the vote comes less than a one week after Activision Blizzard's board of directors announced the results of its own investigation into abuses at the company, which found, quote unquote, some substantiated instances of gender harassment and concluded there is no evidence that harassment, discrimination or retaliation were ever, quote unquote, a systemic issue. Uh, that's impossible. You, you just contradicted yourself. Uh, you're, you're investigating whether there's a systemic issue and you found some substantiated instances, but it wasn't systemic. How is that possible? And also they voted, no, they're not going to have it. And no, they're not going to, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, what's it called? You voted, but guess what? We're going to ignore your vote anyway. And of course, you know, investigating yourself, you're just, yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there's so many memes on that. They, they do pictures of, uh, you know, uh, of Obama awarding himself, and then there's a little thing. Uh, Activision says there's no wrongdoing. You know, it's just crazy. My favorite genre of corporate investigation is leadership investigated leadership and found leadership did nothing wrong. Yeah. That is uh, the absolute top notch, just fucking nothing burger, uh, useless, time wasting. <laughs> What are you even doing? Who are you proving? What are you proving to anyone besides that you're biased? Like I, I don't know. I don't. I don't understand how leadership investigating itself has ever been an acceptable form of action for anything. Like also, what does that? What does yeah. that even do? They also slam media and Ca- California Civil Rights Agency. Hmm. Gee, I wonder why. I does 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 actors know that. California is a government body and they will smack them around like a like a wet noodle. Yeah. It Activision Blizzard makes zero sense to me and uh and it comes on top of the fact that like I don't let me see let me make sure that this isn't on here but uh yeah. Um 
they killed Vicarious Visions and killed uh, T- Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, 3 plus 4. It would have happened, but they fucked everything up. Like, that came out today. Tony Hawk himself said that Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater 3 plus 4 remake was in the works. But then uh, Vicarious Visions got folded into Blizzard, and then uh, shit hit the fan, and then Activision Blizzard continued to cripple itself, and then no more Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 plus 4. So So, that's a tragedy. Well, here's the thing. Um, You realize all of this is them... The board de- delaying, delaying, delaying until Microsoft gets bought. And the fact they're not putting out Tony Hawk 3 plus 4 means that they're trying to, you know, make the stock weaker. Just, It's just, it's all a delay tactic, um, as if California is going to look away when Microsoft takes it and say, oh, look, they have a new board. No, yeah, we don't care about that board. We care about you. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely just infuriating just how incompetent these people are, like, in every way, shape, and form. You would think that, like, at some point, (laughs) at some point... It's never going to happen. Stop with the failures, but they... It's not going to happen until Microsoft buys them and smacks them across the face. Microsoft doesn't doesn't curry that kind of crap. (laughs) Gross incompetence is the only way to describe it. Yeah. Never before, uh, never before has it become obvious why a company has been purchased before. And um, we'll see what happens with EA. They're, they're probably going to be purchased, um, but not by a like someone like Microsoft or even or even Google. Um, it's going to be some media giant, um, maybe even like something like Disney. You know, some 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 media giant that has nothing to do with video games and wants to get put their toe into it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, let's go with some happier news. Go ahead, TJ. Sonic Origins game modes detailed in fresh trailer. A new trailer for Sonic Origins has detailed its various game modes, including its museum of extra content. The anniversary compilation will fe- will include a number of modes, including anniversary mode that features enhanced widescreen visuals and infinite lives, and classic mode that retains the original 4.3 presentation and limited lives. That means Sonic Origins will include the first ever widescreen version of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. It will also be possible to play all four games, Sonic 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles, and CD, in one long experience in in story mode. This includes brand new intro and outro animations to link link the games together. Sonic CD will will retain its original movies. Anniversary mode will also include collectible coins that can be spent on immediate restarts or in the museum. Speaking of which, the museum will feature sounds, illustrations, and movies to reflect the history of the series. And the premium collection will will include never-before-seen content. A mission mode will also have collectible coins. Mirror mode will flip the levels, and boss rush mode will focus on just those battles. As previously reported, however, Sonic 3 and Knuckles will not include music from the original game. Sonic Origins is due out on on the 23rd of June for Nintendo Switch, PC, and Epic Game Store. Uh, via or sorry, PC via Steam and Epic Game Store. PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series XS. You know that uh, Sonic 3 was the one that had the music by Michael Jackson. Yes, which has turned out to be a conundrum for legal reasons 
Um, <laughs> it's a bummer. I uh, I like the music from Sonic Three and Sonic and Knuckles. I think uh, a lot of that stuff is really good. So but at least you get new music. I'm curious to see what they do with the new music. I am. Um, and I'm very interested in the story mode that like lets you play all all what is this five games? Oh uh, yeah, five games in a continuous loop. Like that's a uh, that's an interesting thing they've they've put together there. And here's the thing, you know, it's actually going to be extending from Sonic CD, which had movies. So basically, these movies are going to lead into the Sonic CD movies. Yes, and it's uh, it's worth noting once again that the, a lot of the folks that worked on Sonic Mania are working on this classic collection as well. Which I will throw my money at those folks to keep them employed at Sega because they do good work. Scott. Uh, yeah, I don't have uh, much to say on Sonic Origins, but I know some people have been having some negative uh, reactions to what they're seeing. Uh, I still think it's kind of interesting to be able to run around on a big field, and, it, and they, I guess they're saying they're including games with this, so that's pretty good. Oh, that's uh, you're thinking of Sonic Frontiers. Sonic Origins is, oh. the, col- is the collection of uh, the original games. Yeah, remastered and three uh, sixteen by nine and. Oh, then yeah. Anybody who's a Sonic fan, I'm sure will love this uh, collection. Then. You want to talk about Frontiers, uh, TJ? Frontier is is a very big question mark for me. It looks like, uh, well, it looks boring actually. <laughs> like, where's the, like Sonic games shouldn't be so drab. They should be colorful and bouncy and and have upbeat music and i don't know why but sonic frontiers just looks like you know what i put uh asylum for the feelings from death stranding on the last sonic frontiers trailer and it kind of worked (laughs) like it's this like cutting drab scenery of sonic running back and forth through this very normal and muted looking environment fighting these weird machines that have no little like charm or discernible features. I, uh, I hope it's better than it looks, but dang, if it doesn't kind of look janky, troubling. Oh, (laughs) anyways, uh, Scott, take the next item. Okay. All guys now free on Epic, uh, but delisted from steam. This is from PC gamer. Last month, it was announced that Fall Guys would be going free-to-play today, June 21st, as well as coming to the Epic Game Store. Squirreled away at the bottom of the press release was the minor detail that it would also be disappearing from the Steam, although those who already own a Steam copy will continue to receive the same updates as the Epic Store players. It has come to pass, and you can now download Fall Guys for free on EGS. It is also making a debut... On several consoles, which I mentioned because the game now has cross-play and cross-progression across all platforms. So if you enjoy the game and it's a lot of fun in small doses, there's likely to be a huge crowd of people trying out for the next few weeks. The free-to-play relaunch comes alongside a reset for its seasons, new in-game currency, showbucks, and new progression system. The new Season 1 is appropriately named Free-For-All, and features a giant arena with new events and locations. 
Existing players have received a legacy pack, which includes the first season pass and a bunch of cosmetics. Even so, a lot of players are grousing about a formerly premium game going free to play, which they're entitled to do so. But considering this was sold for $20, uh, released August 20, August 2020, the flip side is that the influx of new players will keep Fall Guys going for a much longer time. This pricing change also always felt inevitable after developer Mediatonic's acquisition by Epic Games, which also made Rocket League freemium for acquiring developer uh, Psychonix in 2019. Fall Guys was never really built as a live service game, but ever since it met its success, it has been building out a kind of Fortnite-like bunch of cosmetic options and brand crossovers. I don't know why these people are complaining. I mean, the same thing happened to Team Fortress 2. I mean, it was $20 as well, if I remember correctly, and it went free to play. Yeah, I mean, as long as they... Let me see here. Did they provide anything? Yeah, yeah. They, you, get the first, you get the first season free, yeah. Which, you know, like... As long as you give me something for having bought in, I don't mind. It's whatever. I'm happy for the people that get to play the game for the low price of free because uh, it's still a fun game. Like it's the idea of Fall, of Fall Guys and actually the action of Fall Guys has always been amusing to me. I like the idea of this like wipeout style obstacle course full of jelly bean people. Um, and they've done a good job of continuing to build content onto it, even after like it's supposed like after the hype died down. It's uh, it's continued to be a game that they just continue to support with solid new content. I just wish they made they 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 you know leaned in more on the game show side, like have people able to watch and have a game show host and all that stuff. You know, it's just starting levels without doing anything is just you know sort of janky. I would love a like a a proper spectator mode that didn't require you to play and lose. Or just have a spectator mode in which when you're waiting to play, you know, you're waiting for the next game. You're going to join the next game, but for now, you can watch them play as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like that, uh, Custom lobbies and uh, spe- good spectator mode are the two things that I would really like out of uh, Fall Guys still. And I hope that eventually those things come to it. Yeah. Moving on to the last item. Blizzard confirms that World of Warcraft Dragonflight expansion is out this year, and this comes from Eurogamer. Blizzard has now confirmed World of Warcraft's Dragonflight expansion will launch later this year. Dragonflight, as detailed in Blizzard's April Steam uh, reveal stream, will give players access to the long-hidden ancestral home of Dragonkind known as the Dragon Isles, and includes four new areas, including the Waking Shores starting zone, Unharan Plans, Azure Span, and Thal... Oh, God, you know, listen in their friggin' World of Warcraft names. Thaldrazus, completed with new dungeons and raids. Uh, Dragonflight also adds the Dracothir Evokers, a new playable ra- uh, race class hybrid that can, depending on the player's chosen class specializations, focus on either damage or healing, uh, plus a new skill-based flight system tied to, a customi- uh, tied to customizable dragon companions. Alongside all its uh, headline features, Dragonflight also promised to bring improvements to some of World of Warcraft's existing mechanics, including revamps for the game's talent system, improved professions, plus an updated UI. Uh, Blizzard says there are three digital versions, uh, base, heroic, and epic, and each has a different selection of cosmetics. And there's also 130 uh, euro uh, physical release that, uh, alongside the epic edition uh, game code and Drax Pet, throws in a hardcover art book, 
hardcover art book, mousepad, and five collector's pins. I have not played World of Warcraft in a long time. I wonder what the talents revamp is going to be. Unfortunately, it's probably not going to be going back to the old version in which you can mix and match. It is. It feels like a lot of. Feel like, it feels like it's a big year for dragons. <laughs> I, uh, I just, uh, we just got done with an interview with the Neverwinter MMO folks a little bit ago, and they do, they also did an expansion which uh, redid all their dragons. So it's interesting to see that World of Warcraft is leaning so hard into it as well. And they're uh, bringing back talent trees. Yeah. I uh, I think it's cool how they're they're starting like basically with a whole bunch of different dragons and dragon flying and all that jazz. Oh, I and love this. Course, um, when they ask uh, when you have the talent trees now, they say, "Does this mean it's possible to make very bad builds?" And the answer in short, yes. <laughs> there are no limits in guardrails, such as you know. So yeah, you can make a bad build, which is fine because uh, you could always in in dragon in uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, first free, then you have to spend gold to just you know um re re roll you know revamp your characters' uh, talents. So very curious to see what an what an updated UI means for World of Warcraft because World of Warcraft has always had one of the busiest UIs I've ever seen. It's overwhelming and makes me anxious every time I look at it, and really? I'm not even playing. Then again, I don't play. I I don't I don't use macros like other people. I mean, just like the the hot bar after hot bar after hot bar sitting on top of each other, <laughs> so many little icons. It's like playing the piano. The classic edition was a little bit better when I tried the newer version. There was a lot more stuff flashing and pointing and saying "Do this, do that," and it was like so much hand holding, you know. And uh, <laughs> so I can see what TJ means. It's 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 a lot of noise going on on the screen. Yeah. And it fills up like a good portion of the actual visible screen too. Like having all the mini map and the hot bars and the life and uh, or and the life uh, and and mana containers and and the items that you use, everything stacked on top of itself takes up like a good third of the screen. Oh, so thing going on and got to turn that off every time. So the UI, um, there's almost nothing there. It's like you have the two rows of skills and the health of, you know, the health and and the minimap, and that's it. So I think they did listen to you and and cleaned up and and minimized a lot of the UI. Well, that's good. Yeah, because the UI as I know it just makes me anxious. But yeah, I'm happy for the talent tree. Uh, you know, I, I may have to check it because it's been over 10 years since I last played Dragonflight. Uh, sorry, Gil. Uh, Gil is one of the people at at uh, one of the higher ups at uh, at Blizzard who I know personally, and he's always liked me because I was always one of the launch people. I was always one of the first people to play World of Warcraft in any in any way. So I'm, I, I I may have to come back and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It's always cool when when they not only do an expansion, but they also do a massive like adjustment to. Well, not in the case of Cataclysm when they ruined everything, but <laughs> but it's always interesting when they actually go back and try to quality of life up some features that yeah. are already existing. The UI is one that I would argue has needed it for a long time. 
I don't know enough about the profession, the professions and talent system, but it sounds like uh, folks are going to be able to experiment a lot and figure out what works and what doesn't with the talent system too. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this has been a short episode, but that's fine. Uh, there's not much going on right now. Uh, you know, after after the Microsoft thing and all the other and all the other uh, uh, conferences, it's like there's not really much more to say. Um, except some really it good really games is. are coming out. This really is kind of the week of rest for everybody. We uh, we went through the gauntlet and now uh, we're just kind of waiting for the next big thing. Except for the shit show that Activision Blizzard is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like I like I, Microsoft's uh, taking over of Activision Blizzard cannot come soon enough. That's that's very true. I'm looking forward to any possible CR games. Yeah, well, you know, Diablo Four will be will be on Game Pass day one. <laughs> um. By the way, uh, a game just popped on to uh, Game Pass, and that's uh, Total War Three Kingdoms. Um, and I've never played the Romance of the Three Kingdoms games. Have you? I haven't, but I hear good things about them. So, Anyways, uh, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. If you enjoy feedback, so see what's going on. So leave us some comments on the blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, this is up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Shard Moore. And we will see you next week. Hopefully, there will be more to talk about, especially since um, I'm – I don't know if I told you guys this, but um, I'm actually working – I'm acting in a, uh, a, a Disney Hulu series, uh, season one. So that's eight episodes. There's only eight ep- episodes in the first series, and um, I can't talk to uh, say anything about it. It's just very interesting, and it's nice to have regular work. Nice. That's good. Congrats. Yep. Yeah, congrats. Anyways, we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. <laughs>